Hey, good morning, folks. March 9th, Tuesday. Want to give an update here on the fight to vote. Thanks for joining these podcasts and uh, walking down this this road, or this, as it usually is for me, this sidewalk um, in this work. The fight to vote is, is the uh, defining democratic battle of this lifetime, of this period of our lives, the most important since the 1960s and also the most visible since the 1960s, the attention being devoted to the fight to vote, voting protections and voting suppression um, is a good thing for all of us. Attention is the first characteristic of, of a body of work to stop something or to pass something, is you gotta know about it, and then you gotta have the tools, and then you gotta mobilize. Need all three of those. Awareness, then equipped or equipment to know what to do, and then you gotta mobilize. This podcast attempts to provide all three of those in different ways. What I want to talk about today, this morning, is Georgia. Georgia's been at the center of the, of the political universe for months now. Um, and we certainly have been right there in common power. The victory of Biden there in 2020. The the arguments by Trump and others that things were that there have been cheating, fraud in Georgia, all of which was disconfirmed by a series of audits and recounts um, in the state. Three top Republicans all pointing out how it is that Trump et al. were wrong. Yet still. Even though that happened, the, the belief in the argument of fraud. Then in two, January, on January 5th, the, 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 the winning runoff elections in the Senate by Georgian senators, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. And now, for the last two months, a Georgia legislature session that has been absolutely laser focused on passing voter suppression laws to get rid of dimensions or all of the three kind of stalwart parts, pieces of Georgia. Um, the automatic voter registration, the absentee, no excuse absentee balloting, and three weeks of early voting, in-person early voting. I want to talk about those and where we're at and why yesterday was an important day and why this week is really, really important. Um, so, the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, has been touting for uh, years in his press releases and his public communications that Georgia is the gold standard of voting, that he says they have the three characteristics that, that make for a great voting environment. And I will say that he is, he is correct on this, those three pieces, that they've had them. One is automatic voter registration, where people become registered to vote when they interact with a key state agency, usually the Department of Motor Vehicles, and they people are automatically opted in to registering to vote. They have to decline that if they so wish, but, but no one does. AVR was put into place by the Secretary of State, not Raffensperger, but Brian Kemp who is the current governor of the state, and an elections board in 2016. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a practice that had been recommended 
back in the early 1990s and then again in the early 2000s by some federal uh, commissions. And it is in place in, I think it's in about 20 states in this country. Um, and it has been monumentally valuable in Georgia. Many people moved to Georgia. So it's a state that receives a lot of people and they have to get new driver's licenses. And 5 million of the 7.6 million registered voters in the state have been registered through AVR. Just remarkable, just incredible. That is a reform that we hope to get enacted in every state in this country. Uh, and that's been in place, put into place by Republicans. The second piece of the gold standard, the three-part gold standard that Raffensperger, the current Secretary of State, has been touting is um, no excuse absentee balloting. This was put into place in 2005 by the Republican state legislature because they wanted to provide opportunities to vote that were easier for their voters, um, older people, so they don't have to come to the polls, um, and also uh, folks who are out of state, often military, or people who are stationed um, in some kind of uh, 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 work, work experience where they're out of state. They put this into place in 2005. It's been a complete success in the state. Um, but with the success of Democrats there in 2020, the current Republican legislature wants to get rid of it um, or at least make it more difficult by adding further voter ID requirements around it. That's the second characteristic. The third characteristic is three weeks of early voting. Um, and they do have a lot of early voting in person in Georgia. And it is taken advantage of uh, by uh, millions of Georgians. And it's perhaps the most early voting. I haven't done an analysis of it in the country, but it's it's a lot. It's up there at the top. In this current legislature session, the um, the Republicans have tried to take away all three of these or diminish them. They consider seriously getting rid of AVR. They absolutely want to either get rid of no excuse absentee balloting or make it much, much tougher. And they want to cut back the number of days, particularly weekend days, when African-Americans vote in higher numbers. They want to cut those back from early voting. We, we have been making phone calls to citizens in the state of Georgia to get them to contact their state legislators to... Um, to not vote and to not support these bills. And I've been part of these and we've had a great team, team advocacy, um, and it's doing really good work and we need more people. And we need as many folks who can give us two hours a week, four hours a week to make these calls. And the technology is a terrific, easy technology that we've been using. Um, we've been calling citizens to contact their legislators, as I said. Yesterday in Georgia, well, I need to say something about those legislators. So we're calling, we've been calling citizens who are represented by uh, Republicans in the state Senate. We've been focusing on the state Senate. Um, we've been calling them citizens represented by Republicans, asking them to contact a Republican legislator. Early on in my work for these calls, I asked the phone bank leaders, are we, are is there any Democratic senators that were asking citizens to contact in any of the districts in the state? And they said, no, we're not doing that because every Democratic uh, legislator opposes these bills. 
So we're only focusing on Republicans. The Democrats are united against these. Okay, so we're only dealing with Republicans, and we're dealing with only a small number in the in the state Senate. Um, all but three Republicans uh, were co-sponsors of the worst bill. Uh, the worst bill. The worst bill came up for a vote yesterday. Yesterday was um, what's known as crossover day in Georgia. And this is one of the things about common powers work is I learn and we learn so much about the ways that politics works, that government works or doesn't work. Uh, and we get invested and we care and we become somebody who knows things about other states and can provide um, empowering information to ourselves and to others. So I've learned a lot, a ton about Georgia in the last three months. Crossover day in Georgia is the day in which either the Senate or the House in the state legislature needs to pass the bills that they've been considering and then the bills cross over at the end of the day um, to the opposing chamber of the of the legislature. If the House, the Senate has been debating the bill and they do not pass it by the end of crossover day, then they will not be able to pass that bill. It's done. So they got to act on it by the end of crossover day. And there's been about a month of debate and discussion and possible passages of bills. And this is the deadline for it. Uh, once it gets, if it gets passed by one chamber, it goes to the other chamber. And now they have about uh, three weeks, the other chamber does, to adopt, uh, to pass, and then to, uh, to meet with the, the originating chamber to settle the bill. The, the legislature, legislature ends at the end of March. That's the scheduled date to end the legislature. So it's got to, bill's got to be passed by both chambers by then. Um, the House last week passed its worst voter suppression bill. It's an omnibus voter suppression bill. An omnibus means it's large. It's got a lot of stuff in it and it will reduce. It would, if, 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 uh, enacted would reduce no excuse absentee balloting. I either get rid of it or at minimum put new voter ID restrictions on it, such as you got to send in a, uh, a photocopy when you return your ballot of your driver's license, or you have to provide the number for your driver's license. There's a whole host of ways they want to get, they what that bill would also cut back weekend voting dramatically for, um, early voting. Um, the house passed that bill last week. So the Senate will be taking it up now after crossover day. But yesterday the Senate voted on its worst bill. And it has a lot of overlap with that House bill that's been passed. Um, so it was important for the Senate, if they were going to enact voter reg voter suppression, for them to pass it by the end of yesterday so that they could then essentially bring the House and the Senate bill together. Um, the Senate, though, has been the point of focus for uh, us in our calling and attempting to get those senators, certain number of senators should not block the bill, to, to not vote for the bill. Um, well, I'm going to cut to the end of the story and then explain the good pieces of it. The fact is the Senate did pass it yesterday. They did. The Republican majority of the Senate passed it, and it is going to go to the House. And now the House will take up the Senate bill, and the Senate will take up the House bill, and we'll see where this goes. But, you see, the reason we do this work isn't just 
isn't only to get the victory. Uh, the reality is that you got to be in this for uh, a long game, knowing that sometimes you don't get what you want, and sometimes you don't get what you want in, in a bad way um, at first, but you hang in there, and you got to look for the what uh, Bernard, Dr. Bernard Lafayette, a great mentor to me, part of the civil rights movement, has called me, has told me, you got to look for the gaps and the contradictions in the system, and you got to leverage those. You got to leverage them as best as possible. So, in the uh, in the Senate, the Republican this horrible bill. The Republicans um, had all but three of their members as co-sponsors on this legislation, but those three were not clear if they were going to support it. So that's the three we've been calling. I think we've been calling maybe one other one too. We've been calling to try to get them to not vote with the the Republicans. And the way they have it in the uh, the the majority in the uh, in the Senate for the Republicans is pretty sizable. I think it's a 13 or 14 seat majority, uh, 33 or 34 seats to 20 for the Democrats, 20 for the Democrats. Um, but the state law in Georgia is that you've got to get an absolute majority of the state Senate to pass a bill. So you got to get um, not only a majority uh, of uh that's it present at the time in the legislature. You got to get an absolute majority. Well, 33, 34 members with a 50, uh, Republicans with a 56 seat, uh, total in the Senate means you got to get to 29 votes to pass a bill. So the set, the Republicans had to get to 29 votes. They could lose four seat, four votes and still pass it. Well, yesterday, um, the three Republicans that we have been calling or the set we've been having citizens call uh, all excused themselves from the debate, which means they did not participate and they did not vote. They did not. I don't even know if they attended, but they formally excused themselves. So there goes three votes that are Republican votes. And then a fourth Republican who is a co-sponsor said, I'm not going to be part of this either. And he excused himself. So four people excused themselves, four Republicans. The Republicans subsequently passed the bill by the one vote margin, the one vote margin. And if they had lost one more vote, they wouldn't have passed it. But it's not done yet. It goes over to the House. And then it's got to, if it gets modified at all, come back to the Senate. Also yesterday, the lieutenant governor of the state, who functions like the, the vice president does on the national level, the lieutenant governor presides over the Senate and breaks ties in the Senate. Um, and that lieutenant governor sits in over, presides over debates and runs the debates. Uh, his name is Jeff Duncan, and he is a good dude, a Republican, but he is a fully reasonable, thoughtful person, and he has been outspoken since the election against the Trump lies and for democracy. I've been really impressed with him. And, and you can only imagine the amount of vitriol that he's taken. Uh, Jeff Duncan said as Lieutenant Governor, I will not preside over this debate because this is outrageous. And so he removed himself and did not oversee the debate. Now he doesn't have a vote, so that didn't affect the vote, but it's a very significant move, a statement because Ultimately, any bill that comes out of both chambers 
in order to become law has to be signed by the governor. And this guy is the lieutenant governor. So you, you can read some of that tea leaves there about his position, uh, about the potential governor's position. So we have four Republican senators and the lieutenant governor um, in the Senate who all have are on record as saying, this is not good. We don't support this. We don't want this to happen. If the, Demo- the Republicans were to get, if the Democrats were to pick off one more senator from the state Senate, you can block this bill. You can block all of this. All of it. That's, that's big. That's huge. Now, we don't know if we're going to get there, but that's pretty good. That's pretty darn good compared to what we thought might be possible. Now, the debate will continue. The House will take up the Senate bill. The Senate will take up the House bill. Um, as I said, the, the legislature session ends at the end of March, and they need to come up, agree upon a bill, pass it um, by then if they're going to get it passed. There's a couple other really meaningful, really, really, really meaningful pieces here that further encourage me. Uh, automatic voter registration was not included in the Senate bill. It had been, it was taken out, it was not included. So automatic voter registration will not, will not be going away in Georgia. That to me is the most important piece in there. It's not going away. We helped to get that done. The citizens of Georgia have fought. Also, civil rights groups, including our partner, New Georgia Project, have been fighting hard in the state visibly. They protested in the Capitol yesterday. Uh, they, uh, they've been running advertisements in the, the local media about the voter suppression. They've been running ads calling uh, out business officials in the state to, to be vocal and to oppose this voter suppression. And when you're talking about business officials in, in, uh, in Georgia, you're talking about Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, CNN, the TV network, and probably others that I'm not aware of. I just know those three worldwide leaders. They've been calling on them. And yesterday, the Atlanta Chamber of Commerce and the Chamber of Commerce, usually a more business convert conservative leaning organization, came out publicly and said that they don't support this legislation. They think it's not good for democracy, that it that there's no need for it, and that it cuts against the integrity of an electoral environment. That those folks are on the record now. They're gonna be vocal going forward. Civil rights groups are angry that the Chamber of Commerce didn't come out earlier to make this point, because maybe we would have gotten that one more senator if they had. But they're here now, and we still have a couple weeks to go. Also, there's a bipartisan election commission put into place by the governor, Brian Kemp, a Republican, a former Secretary of State, who is not uh, does not have a great record generally, but is not as horrible as some Republicans. Uh, Kemp's bipartisan electoral commission also issued a statement on Sunday saying that they don't support these pieces of legislation. They think they're counterproductive or anti-democratic and that they will speak out when they do see something that they think has election integrity 
as a core piece. And they haven't spoken out on that. So we've got these groups that are now emerging, strong social, political, economic groups um, in the in the state that are now voicing their opposition. Nationally, the New York Times and other news outlets are writing and producing coverage of Georgia. This is how you mobilize, okay? This is how you mobilize. You got us and dozens of other groups doing work on the ground. You got the locals giving it everything they've got and raising the visibility and mobilizing. And then you've got the national media responding to that pressure. This is what advocacy looks like. All right, this is what advocacy looks like. When we got on the phone bank, I'm wrapping it up here now for this podcast. When we got on the phone bank yesterday, um, we have been getting on the phone banks, our group, and being a majority of the folks on the phone bank, the national phone banks. Yesterday, I think there were 10 of us. We came over to the phone bank, and there were another 30 people there from around the country who were there to make calls. Just took us two hours, folks. We need you to join us. This is the week and next week in Georgia. This is how we fight for democracy. You want to know how we fight for a more just and inclusive democracy? We show up. We make time. We devote our time or our treasure to support this work. So go to the advocacy page. Sign up for Team Advocacy. Uh, I'll send you information immediately or within like an hour of how to mobilize with us. Team Advocacy, sign up on the advocacy page of Common Power. We're making progress. We are mobilizing. We have the tools. We have the awareness. It's all there. Making progress. No guarantees. No guarantees when you're trying to bend the arc of the moral universe. But we do have a responsibility to give it everything we got.